I'm Alex Dele, and this is Vision Vibes. This story was originally broadcast on television as part of NHK World Japan's interview series, Direct Talk. A question I've often found myself asking in life, including at several points in hosting this program, is what does it take to get people to change their behavior? Part of it comes down to reason, since most of us wouldn't do things we find unreasonable, but there has to be more to it. For example, I know it would be reasonable for me to eat healthier, but it's something I still struggle to actually do. So there has to be something else an emotional connection motivating people to do the right thing. But where does that connection come from? How do you trigger it? For answers, I like to draw inspiration from the people who are trying to convince their communities to fix complicated problems. One of those people is today's guest, Sarah McBride. Sarah is the first openly transgender congressperson in the United States and a vocal activist for LGBTQ rights. How does Sarah connect to her constituents and push for meaningful change in her community? Let's join narrator Stuart Varnamatkin and find out on this episode of Vision Vibes. As the United States remains deeply divided, this young leader has been sending powerful messages to the underprivileged. She's Sarah McBride, a state senator for Delaware since January 2021. I became the first openly transgender state senator in the United States and the highest ranking out transgender elected official in our country. McBride, who advocated the elimination of discrimination against LGBTQs, is now leading an effort to create a society in Delaware where everyone can live with dignity. Change is possible, and that the only things that are truly impossible are the things that we don't try. In her politics, she is applying her personal background and experiences to create a better America. My first year was exciting, it was empowering, it was awe inspiring. It is truly a privilege to represent the community that I was born and raised in. I also saw the power that being in office in those spaces can have in changing the conversations. But when you have greater diversity in public office, it changes the conversation. It helps to change the priorities. It helps to inform the conversations and it helps to enhance the conversations. McBride received attention in 2016 when she was the first openly transgender person to deliver a speech at the Democratic National Convention. As the Biden administration values diversity, her activities may have a big impact on American society. A new Gallup survey shows that 5.6% of the American adult population is LGBTQ. In 2021, the first passport with an X gender designation was issued. And the society now seems to be changing in favor of the LGBTQ community. Today, much more accepting and inclusive of LGBTQ people than we were when I came out 10 years ago or when I was born 30 years ago. But of course, that progress isn't evenly felt. And that progress isn't always linear. Right now, we are experiencing an onslaught of anti LGBTQ legislation across the country. 2021 was the deadliest year on record for transgender people. The consequences of being transgender are not only discriminatory, but also sometimes deadly. 
At least 52 transgender people were killed in 2021. I absolutely think Donald Trump's administration was dangerous and harmful for trans people. And when politicians and and commentators diminish the dignity of people, when they target them for discriminatory policies, when they say you are worthy of being treated as less than, it diminishes the value of that community and that person's life. It gives a license for people to not only discriminate, but it gives license for people to commit violence against them. To counter such harmful and dangerous situations, McBride has been asking everyone to realize something. Just the simple fact that transgender people are people, that we love and laugh, that we hope and dream, that we fear and cry just like everyone else. And so what I am hopeful for is that there's not a a single argument that changes a person's perspective, but that as more and more trans people come out, which we are doing, the more and more people will get to know someone in their own life who is transgender. The more and more because of that, they will not only see that simple fact that we're people, but they'll understand the urgency of equal rights for the LGBTQ community. Transgender people are people. In order to convey this simple and basic message, she has candidly published her personal story. The book is titled Tomorrow Will Be Different. The then former Vice President Biden, also from Delaware, wrote the foreword. McBride was born in Wilmington, Delaware in 1990, the youngest of three children. The book describes a child who liked building detailed recreations of the White House in the bedroom and who dreamed of being a politician one day. However, to the author, that dream and her real gender identity seem mutually exclusive. I was convinced growing up that if I came out as transgender, that I would give up my ability to, to find love and be loved, to live in a community I love and to do work that I love, including potentially work in government. Because growing up, there were no examples of out transgender people who were embraced by their community publicly, who were pursuing their dreams and reaching their dreams. There was no one like me uh, that I saw in government. And as the saying uh, goes, if uh, you can't be what you can't see. Having kept her authentic self in the closet and living as a boy and man, she finally came out to her parents when she was a college senior. At a certain point, it became not a choice, but a necessity to come out because I needed to free myself of that all-consuming pain and and weight. Um, My parents, when I came out, they struggled with the news. They were fearful. They were scared. But they also made clear that they loved me and would accept me. The night she came out, her parents researched about transgender on the Internet. They found a shocking report saying 51% of transgender people had attempted suicide. However, it said that number dropped to 32% when they were supported by their family. And so my parents understood from that report, from that research, that embracing your transgender child, that embracing transgender people was not just about doing the right thing, about being kind. It was necessary for their health and their lives. 
Then she came out in the college newspaper during her last week as the student body president and started living her life as her true self. After she started living as a trans woman, she encountered something she had never experienced while being in the closet. You know, I'll never forget the first time that I faced um, street harassment walking down the street as myself. And I was scared in that first instance for my safety as a woman. And I was then scared in that second instance around my safety as a trans person, because there are a few things more dangerous than someone who has realized that they are attracted to a trans person without knowing that they're trans because of so much transphobia and homophobia in society. In order to make it possible for transgender people to live and work safely in Delaware, McBride started lobbying for a gender identity non-discrimination bill. Her parents also testified at the hearings. During this lobbying effort, she came to realize something very important. You know, what was really powerful about my parents was that for legislators who couldn't understand what it feels like to be me, most of them could understand what it feels like to be a parent and to love your child, to fear for your child, to hope for your child. And so even if they couldn't enter the conversation uh, around trans rights through my experience, they could understand it through the love of a parent. And I think that was really transformational and, again, reinforces the power of personal stories when it comes to creating change. For all of us, the political is personal. And the truth is this. Sometimes vulnerability is the best or only path to justice. Along with this important realization, the bill was passed. Around this time, she met the love of her life. Andrew Cray, an attorney and policy analyst who was also transgender. I met the man who would become my future husband, Andrew, fighting for LGBTQ equality, and we fell in love. He was the kindest, smartest, um, funniest person that I have ever met in my life. I was so lucky to find him, to love him, and to be loved by him. Andrew was an advocate for transgender-inclusive health insurance policies that would also cover transition-related medical services. They were colleagues at the Center for American Progress and a happy, loving couple sharing the same mission and will. But their happy moments didn't last long. Andrew was diagnosed with cancer. And when he found out that he didn't have much time left, he asked me to marry him. We married on the rooftop of our apartment building about three weeks after the terminal cancer diagnosis. And then four days after that, he passed away. After I lost my husband to cancer, emotions that I felt and, and, and landed on for a long time was anger. What I was angry about was the fact that prejudice in society had kept Andy, who was a transgender man, inside of himself for what ended up being the majority of his life. The point that I took is that none of us know how long we have. And so every single day we rob people of the capacity to live openly and authentically, to be embraced and accepted by their community, to live life to the fullest. We are robbing people of that most sacred and, and human right. I think for me, after Andy passed away, I was frustrated that there are still so many people 
who aren't negatively impacted when we allow LGBTQ people to live openly and authentically. It pushed me to continue the work that Andy and I had both dedicated our lives to. And ultimately, that sense of urgency pushed me to to run for office, um, recognizing that change cannot come fast enough. Determined to create change, she decided to run for the Delaware State Senate at the age of 29. Her slogan was, real change can happen when neighbors come together. With her constituents, she made history. It is my fervent hope that tonight, a a young person here in Delaware or in North Carolina or in Texas or anywhere in this country, that they're able to go to sleep this night with a powerful but simple message that our democracy is big enough for them too, that their voices matter, and that change is always possible. Now that Senator McBride has a dream job of serving the people of Delaware, she is fighting for vulnerable workers and their well-being. Recognizing that the cause that I was fighting for as an advocate wasn't just about LGBTQ people, it was about all of us having the opportunity and dignity we need to live and thrive. That's why her priority is a paid medical leave program for all workers when they or their family are having medical issues. In short, Senate Bill 1 would create a 12-week paid family and medical leave program in this state. So this legislation would provide that necessary support system for workers when they need it most, um, when those major life events happen, the the joys and the sorrows of life. Uh, It would ensure they can keep their job, that they can take time off, and that they don't have to sacrifice their income. And I think if the pandemic has reinforced anything, it's that no one should be forced to sacrifice their income in the face of an illness. In the United States, there is no paid family and medical leave program on the federal level. So the senator is working to create the program in the state of Delaware. This effort is also driven by her personal experience with Andrew. I come to this issue as someone who was a caregiver. While Andy ultimately lost his life, paid leave policies allowed us to be there with one another in those final weeks. And paid leave policies allowed me to be there by his side in the hospital holding his hand as he passed away. And so as tragic as it was that Andy lost his life, both of us were still lucky because most Americans don't have that opportunity. They don't have that support system. And ultimately, it shouldn't be a matter of luck. It should be the law of the land. And that's what SB1 would do. And that's why I'm fighting for it, because it's personal for me. And I know it's similarly personal for countless neighbors across the state uh, and so many Americans who still don't have access to that really critical, necessary benefit. We asked her what her life motto was. Change is always impossible until it is inevitable. Because I know that it's always in our biggest challenges that we take our most significant steps forward. I believe that's true today, just as it's been true in the past. The driving force for her to move forward is Andrew and the work to which he dedicated his life. Every single day I ask myself, what would Andy do? I ask myself, how would Andy handle this issue or this this dilemma? And every single day 
in the small decisions and the big decisions, I just hope and pray that Andy is looking down and saying, I'm proud of you. And it's just my ultimate hope to make Andy proud to, to do right by his memory and his legacy, um, to make the decisions that he would make, to spread more kindness and to bring more equality for more people. Change is always impossible until it's inevitable. Sarah's philosophy is reminiscent of Nelson Mandela's famous quote, it always seems impossible until it's done. If history has taught us anything, it's that every leap forward for humanity has been the result of a group of people turning the impossible into the possible. A group of people. That part is critical. It took me a long time to realize that the greatest victories are never the sole product of individual achievement. We've been taught to interpret the world around us through the lens of people doing incredible things, when in reality, change is invariably a team effort. Through her life story, Sarah has shown us the power of what people can do together. From her parents testifying for trans rights, to her constituents electing and supporting her, to the strength she found from her partner, Andrew. So to build on Sarah's quote, I'd like to ask you, what is one thing that you really want that now seems impossible, but with enough dedication could someday become inevitable? And perhaps more importantly, who are the people in your life who could help you make that change happen? That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. You can find the transcript as well as our other stories on the NHK World website. I've been Alex Delay. Join us next time for more mind-expanding insights from inspiring people on Vision Vibes.